Welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining and wavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I'm excited for our episode today. As we are working our way through the book of Psalms, we are today in Psalm 75. So if you have your Bibles and you're in a place where you can open them, I want to encourage you and invite you to go with me to that text. I have really enjoyed this season thus far. It's been wonderful for me to be able to study the Psalms on a daily basis and and share some thoughts with you. And I do hope and pray that this season and and the Psalms that we've been studying have been helpful for you as well. Uh, We have uh, recorded 11 episodes already. So today is episode uh, 12 on season four of Weathering the Storm on the Scattered Abroad Network. Uh, It is truly a privilege and a blessing to be on this network. I thank you so much for listening to this podcast and to all the podcasts on the network. Uh, We have content coming out every day of the week. We have a joint podcast that comes out on the first Sunday of the month. Uh, And so God has really blessed us. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful joy and blessing to be on this network. Again, we encourage you, if you haven't already, to go and check out the network. Uh, We are available on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. You can also email us at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but most importantly and most of all, we covet your prayers. Uh, we pray that we will continue to be able to record these podcasts and create biblical content and share that with the world, all to the glory of God. And again, we thank you so much for listening uh, to the network. And personally, I want to thank you for listening to Weathering the Storm. I hope that it has helped you. I hope today's episode will help you as we center our thoughts on Psalm 75. Here we have thanksgiving for God's righteous judgment, or as Brother Tom Waycaster entitled this, God who is our sovereign judge. You and I, sometimes we we face storms because we don't understand why the wicked seem to flourish. I don't know about you, but it it always kind of stops me in my tracks. You, You try to strive and do the right thing, and then you see people who are, you know, obviously living a wicked lifestyle, and yet they, they have all the comfort the world can afford. Sometimes you, you stop and wonder, you know, why is that? But this psalm reminds us that God is ultimately going to make things right in the end. That as long as you stay true to Him and you stay focused, no matter what you have to go through in this life, it'll all be worth it in the next. I think about the rich man and Lazarus in Luke sixteen nineteen through 31, and, and, and I think about this psalm, you know, God making everything right in the end. Here you have the rich man who fared sumptuously every day in purple and fine linen, and he had everything that, you know, from the world's standards, you would need to be successful. And then you have Lazarus, who's the beggar, and he sat at the rich man's table begging for crumbs. When it came time for them to die, Hebrews 9.27, the rich man died and was buried. And that's all it says. Nothing about his riches, nothing about his legacy. He died and he was buried. But Lazarus, on the other hand, was carried by the angels unto Abraham's bosom. So I ask you, who was more successful? Obviously, it was Lazarus. And so when you think about how God makes things right, that's really what this episode is about today. Sometimes that's a storm that we face, trying to, you know, not really understanding why certain things are happening. But if we can focus our thoughts on the fact that God always does what's right, His judgment is always right and true, that can help us. And that can help us focus on Him and His great power and really leave the rest to Him and not try to do too much on our own. Uh, sometimes we, we, we try to 
figure it out in our own minds and try to understand it and try to handle it our own way. But remember what the Bible says, that vengeance belongs unto God. And again, this psalm is all about how God will make things right. So I hope and pray it'll be helpful to you. Let's read it together as we begin. We give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks, for your wondrous works declare that your name is near. When I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. The earth and all its inhabitants are dissolved. I set up its pillars firmly. I said to the boastful, Do not deal boastfully, and to the wicked, Do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is fully mixed, and he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. But I will declare forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will also cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. You may have noticed in reading this psalm that there's, it seems to be a change in who's really talking here. And there are different commentators and different uh, studies that you can, you can look at, and you might find a different uh, perspective as far as you know, who's speaking. But I want to share with you what, what I've brought out from this, and, and hopefully this is accurate. Uh, but again, I encourage you to do your own study on it. But it seems as you work through this that the psalmist is speaking in verses 1 and 6 through 9. But then you have God speaking in verses 2 through 5 and 10. Because when you think about it, who's the one who's really judging? You know, Well, the Bible simply says in this text, God is the judge. So when it speaks of him judging uprightly, when it speaks of him, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I plan on doing, obviously that's not the psalmist saying that because he doesn't have that ability. So that would be God. So again, we, as we walk through this again and kind of give an outline, I want you to think about that and and study that for yourself, but it seems as you work through this, again, the psalmist is speaking verses 1 and 6 through 9, and then God speaks 2 through 5 and 10. Another interesting note about this psalm, this is not a song of David, but a psalm written by Asaph. And again, we find that as we work through the background context of this psalm. I want to give you a five-point outline of this psalm, and then we'll work through it. Together, focusing on the fact that God is sovereign. Number one, God is sovereign in his person. That's verse one. Number two, God is sovereign in his power. Verses two and three. Number three, God is sovereign in his purposes. Verses four through seven. Number four, God is sovereign in his punishments. Verse eight. Fifth and finally, God is sovereign in his praise. Verses nine and ten. I'm going to read it this way and, and see if this is helpful. I know it's, it's been helpful for me. The psalmist says, I will give thanks, verse 1. God says, I will judge, verses 2 and 3. God says, I will warn, verses 4 through 6. The psalmist says, God will judge, verses 7 through 9. And God says, I will punish and reward. So again, as you work through this, it's very unique. Uh, the language is as far as you know who's speaking. But hopefully we can bring all this together and apply it to our lives to help us to focus on the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign in his person. Notice that Asaph says, we give thanks to you, O God. He says that twice in the opening verse. 
there's this emphasis and focus on God and His sovereignty. And understand that the works of God speak for themselves. You know, creation demands a creator. An intelligent design demands an intelligent designer. But think about Romans one twenty, for example. You can see his eternal power in Godhead. There's no excuse. When you behold creation, you know this didn't just come out of nothing. Regardless of what's being taught in the schools today and what's in the science books, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And that's the truth because the Bible says so. And when you behold creation, you can see the glory of God. Psalm 19, 1, Psalm 24, 1. The earth spoke this world into existence. The Lord, rather, spoke this world into existence. We find that Psalm 33, 6, and 9. And so by means of creation, he is sovereign. He is sovereign in his person. And the works speak for themselves. I think about Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. You remember what Rahab said. We have heard of your God. We heard about what happened in Egypt. The works of God speak to themselves. Even someone in the world, even someone who's not a believer, there's no denying that there's a God. When you really look at the evidence without any preconceived ideas, the evidence speaks for itself. God is sovereign. But also in verse 1 it says, Your name is near. And when you think about the name of God, that emphasizes His presence. So he says, Your name is near. God's presence was near. It says, we give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks. He is sovereign in his person and is worthy of our praise. Number two, God is sovereign in his power. Again, verses two and three. Notice he says, when I choose, so he has power over time. You and I are bound by time, but God literally has power over time. He's the one that set the clock, if you will. Think about Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman made under the law. You know, I've thought about this a lot, and maybe you've thought about this too. Why didn't God send His Son in the Garden of Eden? Why not go ahead and send Him right then and there? Why not send Him instead of Moses? You know, why not send Him instead of David? Well, because God was working things on His timetable. He makes everything beautiful in His time. He knows what He's doing. And because of His sovereignty... He has power over time. You and I, again, we're bound by it. We don't have any power over that. God does. When I choose. Then he says, when I choose, I will judge. So not only does he have power over time, he has power in judgment. Psalm 50 and verse 6. And his judgment is always according to truth. Romans 2.2. 2. He says, I set up pillars. Meaning he has power over all the earth. Hebrews 1.3. God's power transcends time. He is on his own timetable. When you read the book of John, you emphasize, or you'll see it emphasized by John, that Jesus would say, my time has not yet come. That's because he was on his father's timetable. And there were times when the Pharisees would come to take him and he would just slip to the crowd. Why? It wasn't his time. My time has not yet come. But then when the Gentiles came and said, Sir, we will see Jesus, he said, Now the time is fulfilled for the Son of Man to be glorified. John 12. So, again, he was on his Father's timetable. Acts 17, 31. We think about there's coming a day uh, when God will, will judge the world by that man whom, whom he has ordained. And, of course, that being Jesus, knowing that by the power of the resurrection. Again, that's Acts 17, 31. Kaufman said, In God's own good time, 
when conditions are just right, when the fullness of time has come, when the fruit of evil is ripe, when wickedness has reached its full development, then will God order the judgment. You know, the truth is we have no idea when Jesus is coming back. There have been men over centuries trying to pinpoint it, and they've all been wrong. The fact is, the Bible says of that day and hour, no man knows. Matthew twenty four thirty six. We have no clue. We do know for a fact that Jesus is coming back, but we don't know when, which means we need to stand ready at all times. But this all points back to the fact that God is sovereign. He's sovereign in his person. He's sovereign in his power, his power over time, in judgment, and his power over all the earth. Number three from Psalm 75, notice with me that God is sovereign in his purposes. In his purposes, verses four through seven. The phrase do not is found four times in verses four through five. I think that's amazing. He said to the boastful, do not deal boastfully. To the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. God has a purpose. If he's going to set forth that purpose, nobody's going to derail him from doing it. He gives us free will. We have the choice whether or not we're going to serve him. Joshua 24, 15. But understand that when God puts his mind to something and he's got a purpose, he's going to carry it out. And he'll find somebody to take care of it. It's amazing how God operates. He is the judge. Again, Psalm 50 and verse 6. He puts down who he sees fit to put down. And he exalts those, those who he seeks fit to exalt. And of course, when we read the New Testament, the words of Jesus, the words of Peter, think about the emphasis and even of James. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So those who exalt themselves will be humble, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. And God is sovereign in his purposes to do that. He has the right to do that, doesn't he? In the next place, notice with me that God is sovereign in his punishments. Verse 8, the language here about the wrath of God is, is very unique. And I'll be honest with you, it, it kind of gives me chills when I read it. This concept of the wrath of God being filled up like in a cup. And here it says that the wrath of God is, is being filled. He is sovereign in his punishments. When he punishes, he does it exactly right. It's according to justice and it's according to truth. It's a righteous standard by which all of us will be judged. John twelve forty eight. Jesus said, The words that I speak will judge you in the last day. So there's that right standard. God is the judge. But notice there in verse 8 again, In the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is fully mixed, and he pours it out. That's just powerful, powerful language, and we see it throughout Scripture. For example, Jeremiah 25, 15 through 38, there's a reference to this. And also in the book of Revelation. Revelation 18, 1 through 8, 19, 11 through 16. God is sovereign in his punishments. When God purposes to do something, nothing is going to stop him or hinder him. It doesn't matter how powerful a world power thinks it is. Ask Rome. Ask Babylon. Dear friends, let's ask America. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sinners are approached to any people. God is not bound. God is not... Uh, God's not going to be restrained by any kind of world power because he's the one who set that power up in the first place. Again, you ask Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon what takes place. Or ask Rome and, and how powerful and mighty they were. Rome fell, didn't it? And you think about how God is the one who's in control of his punishments. I always remember Acts 5.39. If it's of man, it'll fail, but if it's of God, nothing's going to stop it from happening. 
God is sovereign in his punishments. Finally, verses 9 and 10. Let's notice again that God is sovereign in his praise. The righteous will sing praises to God forever. God will exalt the righteous for his glory. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. The psalmist would say, For you are the glory of their strength, and in your favor our horn is exalted. Psalm eighty nine seventeen. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven, and he has exalted the horn of his people. The praise of all his saints, the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. Psalm 143, 13 and 14. Praise him, because he is worthy. God is sovereign. In his praise, he is to be exalted in our lives. He is the one true God who is in total control of everything. I don't know about you, but but just reading through this psalm and being reminded of God's sovereignty and his power gives me a lot of peace. Because when you turn on the nightly news or when you read the weekly newspaper, our world's in a, in a dark place. There's a lot of bad things going on around us. We can think about what's going on in the political world right now. Think about what's going on in, in other countries. And yet, all the while, God is sovereign. And by knowing that, it can help us weather the storm. But more specifically, what are some things that, that we can bring out and apply to our lives? I want to share four with you as we bring our study to a close. Number one, Psalm 75 can help me weather the storm because it helps me to remember that God is sovereign and in control. And again, that's the, that's the whole emphasis of Psalm 75. Be reminded of God's sovereignty. Be reminded that he's the one in control, not me and not anybody else. God, he is the judge. Number two, Psalm 75 enhances my perspective from day to day. When I can start every day looking at the sunrise and, and acknowledging God's the one who allowed that to happen, then it helps me to remember that everything that takes place today is because God allows it to take place. You know, I, all the plans that I have and all the things that I want to go and do, listen, that's up to God whether or not I'm even going to get that opportunity. So it helps me with my perspective from day to day when I realize God's the one who makes sure the sun rises and it goes down in the evening. He's the one who's in total control over everything, and that is a wonderful blessing. Number three, Psalm 75 encourages me to give thanks and sing praises to God. Yes, even in the storm. Even when I find myself in a, in a, in a very difficult spot, I need to remember that God is still worthy of praise. He's always going to be worthy of praise. But then number four, Psalm 75 reminds me that both the wicked and the righteous will be rewarded. You will reap what you sow, the Bible teaches. Be sure your sins will find you out. And so on the day of judgment, all things will be made right. And you and I need to make sure that we're on the right side, that we're on the Lord's side, because that's the winning side. And so this psalm is, is all about God, all about His sovereignty and His purposes and His greatness. And hopefully this is something that can help us to be even more devoted and committed to Him. I'm going to close with a quote that I found in Brother Waycaster's material on the Psalms, and, and it's been really helpful for me. Hopefully it's helpful for you too. 
He said, what an incredible comfort and consolation it must ever be for either nations or individuals confronting disastrous prospects of any kind whatsoever to remember that the judge is watching, that he will invariably punish the wicked and reward the righteous, and that he can be fully honored and trusted to do what is right for every person in every situation. There's a great calm and a great peace in that, isn't there? God will always do what's right. Let's make sure we draw near and stay close to Him as we strive to weather the storm. I thank you so much for listening. May God richly bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.